Shalom and thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Elect Life Podcast Edition with Liz McGee. We hope you enjoy the journey as Liz takes you through her mystical insights from ancient Jewish writings. You'll find more info on the website at theelectlife.org. So go check it out and make sure you have oil in your lamp for the coming of Mashiach. And now your host, Liz McGee. Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back to uh, another uh, teaching today, and it's going to be short, going to keep it in my 30 minutes. Uh, so today, what a great day. This is such a, a remarkable time of the year, and I love the Hebrew calendar because it really keeps us moving in, on, on Yahweh's seasons, staying in His times and seasons. But Last week was the um, the first of Nisan, which is the beginning of the year in the Hebrew calendar. That's the, the new year. Uh, now, this is a great, um, the whole pictograph that the festivals and the seasons and all this combines, this is the story of redemption. There's no doubt about it. But last week, and so today, last week was uh, Nissan 1. This week is Nissan 7. These are very specific. The two uh, uh, beginning months, the two Sabbaths in the beginning of the new month before we get to the third uh, Sabbath, which is Passover. It's, it's all very neatly delineated. Uh, I think the fact that the number three uh, Passover is in the third, beginning of the third Sabbath. But to get ready. Uh, this is a time, this new year, and I know it can get a little confusing and can be totally explained, but there's also like, quote, unquote, a new year in the fall, Rosh Hashanah. But why kind of both have, but they're, they're different cycles of new, so to speak. One is this is now beginning the new agricultural cycle. This is the life that comes from death. This is representing the springtime. And I love it because it really is happening right before our eyes. See, I love Hebrew. There's nothing abstract about it. Go out and meditate on the whole rebirth of nature right now, and you will, like, totally fall in love with God. All right? It, it, because it, oh, I, don't, I shouldn't do this rabbit trail, and I won't. I'm going to control myself. Okay. So what we're saying is there's a great verse in the Song of Songs. This is my theme verse today. Look, Write it down and look it up. Song of Solomon, uh, yeah, Song of Solomon, uh, verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, and it says that the flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of the turtle doves is heard in the land. And you have to add this to it. The fig tree begins to blossom. Now, there is so much apocryphal coding into that but it's so beautiful to give you flowers represent souls i guess you didn't know that but you're going to know that because see i'm getting ready all my classes i'm ready to really release the keys which is going to unlock the whole spiritual significance behind all the texts but flowers are souls so there is a time when souls appear on the earth okay and seasons of singing has come you know one of the and so what i'm trying to say we're this is coded to how it's going to be right at the last uh when the final tikkun and teshiva is done this is where we're going all right 
but that what we're what I'm trying to say is the renewal of this, the promise of this, the promise of this is faith. How God is faithful every year. This is happening right before our eyes, and if we'll follow the festivals like coming up on Passover and begin to find it, it's right there. It's the most beautiful picture of redemption, and these are our. This is our inheritance. These are our dress rehearsals. And all of us, Ephraim especially, that's who I'm really talking to, a.k.a. Christians, Christianity, we need to get on the Father's page. Okay? So the flowers appear in the earth, which are souls. The season of singing has come. This is part of the joy of the resurrection. They're talking about that, that when, they, when, the, when the captives are let out, you know, and they enter into Zion and they're going to be like, like, like they're walking around like in a dream, like, like in singing and dancing and, and total euphoria. Like we're here, we made it. Uh, the time of singing has come and the cooing of the turtle doves is heard. And this, the, the turtle dove is a, is a code word for the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, where she is finally totally manifested and at peace and in all creation. All right. And then the fig tree. The fig tree is a code where you have two things going on. You have uh, the fig tree and um, the vine, which is the two houses. The fig tree is Judah, um, and the vine represents the spreading out Ephraimite, ten tribe uh, house. But the fig tree is blossoming. It has blossomed. It's, so these are all portents. This is how when it's so exciting when you can see uh, in deeper into the scriptures and then how everything, everything is coded to just keep to be in line with all this information so today nissan seven uh, i want to talk about we have one more and it's like two to establish one more sabbath before the passover the actual start of all the spring feasts to really prepare our hearts so it's very important from rosh hashanah in the fall to start to prepare your hearts for yom yom kippur a whole different type of tikkun and teshiva picture. Well, this spring festival season has an, also another type of tikkun and teshiva pictured. And what I want to go in is to this. I want to explain to, especially the Christian mind, what is, what, this is, this is it. This is what we're doing. Okay. So, but the, the interesting, the word Nisan comes from the word bud. So this is what I mean. You can't make this stuff up. Okay. It comes from a root word for bud. Okay. And what is the springtime all about? Things budding. You know, flowers that once were these seeds in the ground, and then they come up, and then they totally bud. Those are the flowers. Those are the souls. Those are the beautiful elect saints in the last days who will have resurrection. Their souls will just flower in, in total, is, is the beauty that they always were meant to be, and they will never get trampled again. They will be an eternal, beautiful flower before the face of the Father forever. I mean, all this allegory is painting the same thing. So... Again, when you think of spring, when you think of the new year, you think of miracles, resurrection, new life, renewal. That's all built into it. That is the promise of the Father. He is renewing us individually, collectively, and all of the world, you know, the worlds, the souls, it says, uh, that are all part of this uh, great cosmos. Now, let's unpack. Uh, this concept of tikkun and teshiva, and actually, I just want to stick with this word teshiva today. So uh, let me just, well, okay, I should just define here before I erase it. Let me just say one thing. Tikkun is a word, but what it means, you know, transliterating meaning is to fix, to repair. 
okay? Now, is not that ultimately what the father's promise is? He is going to. He will fix and repair <laughs> all the damage done by the fall, all right? But in the meantime, he asks us, not a minute, he expects us to be part of the process, to do our part, all right? He's not, it's not like he's waving some magic wand. If you work with him, you are going to get to fix and repair everything in your life and, in the, and, and, you know, you can have influence, become an influencer and influence those around you, your family. But this is what the tikkun is, is our responsibility. All right. We are to fix, to repair, to make you talk about making reparation. <laughs> See, some of these concepts get so perverted. But reparation, we have to go and do the hard work of repenting. And if we have to ask forgiveness of someone, if we have to forgive whatever we need to totally like smooth over and make that whole situation just like still waters again. You would never even know that there was a ripple in the water. The tikkun uh, to, to fix and to repair, but this one, the teshiva, because these are two sides sort of on the same coin. Teshiva, I want to say, is an acronym. Now the word of Elohim, the text is constantly written with, with like language mnemonics that are, are kind of built in keys and ways in which to remember dense information. See the Jews, it's just not a word. I mean, no, let's code everything we can <laughs> into this word so that we can teach our children the total depth, you know, the height, width, breadth, and depth that's in the word. Okay. So this is an, an, an acronym. All right, and then an acronym is uh, it's, a, it's a device where you take the first letter. So what we're going to do is we're going to unpack this. Here, let's do it in red. And I lost my H there. Okay. You take the first letter of the letters that make up the word. So T, so this is a tet. We're going to go, oh, through these, this is on this piece now. Uh, the, the tet, this is the next one, Shh. this is the sound for the letter shin, so that's usually, so we have a tet, okay, we have, you can always consult my uh, letters over there, because again, it's all about the Hebrew, Christian, we got to get back to these root words, uh, okay, it's a shin, this is a bob, right here, and, um, oh, I'm sorry, actually, the U sound, because it's just a vowel in here, is it, th then this is uh, a vowel, okay, this one, and this one, so that there's a final, there's a bet, and there's a hey, so what I want to say is there's five letters, tet, shin, ma, bet, and hey, tishuba, so they, that's how they they can look at that, but then each one of these letters they take, and this is where the mnemonic comes in. Okay, you got that? Now let's just start to pack them individually. I tell you, that verse, I just have to say, song, song of Songs, two, that's like my all-time favorite verse. Really, it's such a beautiful picture. What a spring verse. What a great verse to put, um, you know, around your house and meditate on the spring. Uh, and, and really um, praise our Adonai Elohim who created all this great and is so faithful. Uh, that's sorry, I had to throw that in. Okay, so let's kind of unpack this a little bit and what they're doing. And the core concepts, 
So you don't want to ever forget. This is why I said over and over, you can just study the word and all of the theology that's built into this concept is right there. So the tet is, is T, right? Teshiva. It comes from um, that quoted with the word tamim. And it's, it's talking about, all right, so the first thing is in Shiddur to Shiva. Okay, actually, I got to make one point. Sorry. There's three parts. When you do to Shiva, which means to repent or return. All right, let's try to get this a little bit better. We're done with that. So we're talking about to Shiva. Let me write it again. And it means to return and to repent. You can't do one without doing the other. Okay? And in this whole process, there are three components that the Torah tells us, you know, you can't skip out on any of these. It is a, it's a package deal. If you want to get the benefit and the blessing, if you want to get the atonement, it's a package deal. And um, so the three parts of it, and let me write this so you can make your notes better, is you have to have a genuine remorse. You know, you got to be sorry you sinned in the point. I mean, you must receive the conviction of the Ruach HaKadosh and the Holy Spirit, right? You must realize that you have transgressed uh, a law, a commandment, an admonition or something of Adonai, a precept, an ordinance, you know, and, and you, um, you need to come clean. You need to realize that you have trespassed against the Most High, number one. And then you need a decision. You have to make a decision to change. You have to, you cannot stay in that behavior. If you want to get to Shiva, right, you've got, you got to change. All right. Now, understanding that the father is merciful. And if it takes you 50 tries, it takes you 50 tries. But the point is you, uh, you got your eye on the goal. You're working it out. You're working out your salvation with fear and trembling because God does mean business. All right. Then you have to have a verbal confession. You have to acknowledge, you know, where do you think Paul gets the idea or in the New Testament, confess your sins one to another. We have to have an element of humility. Yes, I'm a sinner. I'm like, everybody's a sinner. Why do I'm not going to put on some big prideful act like I have it all together. My, there are total areas of my character, my needles that are constantly being, have to be worked on every day. Okay, these, so this is sort of the, the package deal. You have to have remorse. You have to be sorry that you're a willful sinner or you have sins of omission. You just, you really don't even know. It just happened. Change, uh, you have to decide that that is not correct behavior according to Torah and you have to have a verbal um, confession and acknowledgement. So those things being done per se, now let's just say how, then we're going to go back into how they, this is right now I can unpack the T, Tami. And the first thing it says, this word is to imply that it is, you have to be sincere and honest before whom you speak. This is the sense of humility. Okay, we are standing before Adonai Elohim, and he is a good, and a, but he's a righteous judge, and he demands justice which means you got to come clean 
So we have to be sincere, honest. That's why the whole admonition of, you know, when you come before the Father, you know, don't like look at the other guy and think, well, he's just a way more sinner than me. So, I mean, I'm, I really got to be, you know, you just, just stay in your zone. Stay in your lane. Deal with your issues and your obstacles that are ahead of you in your lane. So um, the SH is the word, let's see, I was doing red. Let's stick with our shin. And SH, which is the shin, it stands for the mean word shaviti, S-H-I-V-I-T-I. Oh, well, here, let's write down to be sincere and honest. Let's just get these down. In other words, don't try to hide. He knows what you do in secret, you know. So the best is always to be honest. And the best attitude with the Father is one of just humble talking. You don't got to get fancy words or, you know, it, it's such a heartfelt because he sees our hearts. So, you know, and he knows you can't hide it from him. But, but we're going to be sincere and honest. Shiviti means and why and how would you have this conviction? Because you have, this conviction comes on those who have set Elohim before, it says, I have set Elohim before me always. So you, you would be somebody who has, who has a fear, as it's called, a fear of Elohim, okay, or a fear of God. Your conscience is activated. Believe me, you can get to a point, and this is what the Torah says, and where your conscience gets seared with a hot iron, where, you know, you have done so much willful sin, you know, you are really sometimes beyond reach in your present condition, all right? That's a scary place to be. You want to stay in a fear of Elohim because you have set um, him before you always, all right? Now, you're not saying we understand we're not perfect, but at least we acknowledge him who is. So the next is a bob. Uh, and, uh, right? To she, the, 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 the you, the Bob. And it is, it is, and I think I have this right because my writing is sometimes pretty scratchy. Davata, Davita. I think that's, so if somebody wants to correct me, I will take it. Now, this is interesting because now we're switching away from my personal relationship to Elohim to my more corporate relationship. And it's a, it's a word that says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The basic admonition and the way in which you can, Teshiva, I mean, did you sin against yourself? Did you sin against God? Did you sin against your neighbor? It's all part of, again, a package deal. So Davita is, the standard is to love is love. Isn't that the greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. See, I mean, these things, again, are rocket science. All right? So um, when you can put all this before, you know, in Sunday school, your child, you're teaching them the Hebrew, you're teaching them the letters, you're teaching them what's embedded inside of these words. Okay? And then we never have to lose them. Teshiva is a perfectly adequate word that Christians should use. Tikkun and Teshiva so we can get on the same page. All right? And I understand there's, and this is why we have two sets. I believe there's a spring um, going on with a Passover, a spring tikkun and teshiva going on. The Lamb of God sacrifice with her. That's a, 
And then you have but the Day of Atonement, you have another. But because of, and I believe this is because there are two, always, because there's always been two houses, we're not a total reunification. They both are pictures of what the Father is able to do for his people, even though they are in two separate um, camps. But anyways, that's just sort of a, my observations. So we're here to love your neighbors yourself in, in the Bob. The bet here is, um, bet is the first feminine word, alpha, bet. Bet uh, is the word bechol. See how these all start? Uh, B-E-C-H-O-L. This is implying um, that you have in all your ways to know him. So we're to love him. It's all here to fear him but we're also to know him. Now, how do you, this is one of my pet peeves, if I can say this, for Ephraim. They don't really know, this is what I think, we're not as astute, as students of the Torah, in our Hebrew understand what the letters and the sephirith, what this whole concept of the tree of life, which is what my basis of teaching is, which, you know, I got 300 videos on YouTube of my journey of getting here. Um, to know you, there is so much information in Torah that we don't even know that is coded in there. And these are the really and truly the commandments, the ordinances, the precepts, the, the laws, the um, statutes. There is a lot, everything that we need for life and godliness, and even in different administrations or whatever, is all there. There's a lot to know. And unfortunately, because Ephraim is so untethered from the Hebrew, and we are really standing a lot on, on Western Greek translations. This is a fact. So anybody who starts, this is when, when we, you become awake. This is the whole point. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know? This is, so this is a very important category. There's much more to know than just the New Testament and this concept. Um, yes, Yeshua is the Mashiach, but... Then where did where did Mashiach come from? I mean, there's a whole big understanding of how big the Godhead is. All right. Then we have this word, which is which I'm talking about is the tetragrammaton. This is something could we got to get ahead of the game and understand Yodhevavi, the tetragrammaton, the name and with the whole theological system that that implies. That's what the Jews have been protecting. That's what Torah is. There are 22 letters and 10 separate, which in the way they work together, create all of creation. This is the, this is the inexhaustible, inexhaustible um, power of Elohim that just powers on and on and on. So uh, in hey, I got bet, you will know him, all right, in all your ways. Then we go to the, the hey. And this is where the promise gets good, okay? And it says, when you do this, then you will tread on. You, the believer who has done his teshiva, will tread on. Whoops, where did that come from? Tread on. Okay. Now listen to this carefully, because these are, these are code words, but they're totally... Unpackable. The lion, and not just the lion, you will tread on who? The fierce lion. 
okay, which is coated with, these are wild beasts, untamed wild beasts. This is the, this is the fierce lion and what? The venomous the venomous serpent, okay? Or you could just venomous or poisonous serpent, which if you correctly, we've, we run into this quote unquote, the serpent in the garden with Eve. So we have this, we have this, the young fear, we have the fierce lion and we have the venomous serpent that you're going to be treading on. These words, this is how the Torah is written because, again, they use nature. Nature doesn't lie. There's a perfectly, all you got to do is observe nature. Think about the word that you were just told, how it was applied, and you can just extract like honey all of that spiritual truth. So these words, because, like I said, they're not, you don't want to be hanging around these. You want to tread on them. You don't want them to tear you apart. These are, this was what, these things tear us apart when we are in an unrepentant state. They have complete right and authority to just run rampant in our lives, so to speak, because like an wild animal would, if we don't come under this, if we don't get the effects, this atonement, this covering of the Teshiva. All right. So really, it, it all represents the demonic left side, which is where evil is. It has a location. It's called the left side. It has entities and forces that, that work there. And it, it, it's also coded. Sometimes you see um, they're referred to as the young lion. Okay. So, but it comes from a root word. Well, and, and I'm not paying the root word tan which is the root word for the word serpents, which is the root word for the word dragons. That's why these words are coded. They're coded to tell us, you know, these are the negative energies that are going to rule over us in, this, in, the, in an allegorical way and rip us to shreds if we don't, you know, stay on the plan. And if we have found, that's why every morning, every evening you do teshuva, you kind of go over your life. You make sure, to, oh, did I do anything? Did I say anything? Did I, did I? offend someone, you know, whatever. Keep it clean. Do your Teshiva. So um, so why we're saying this is because right now, this is a time where, you know, the Father's coming. We don't, I mean, I absolutely we live in the last days. This is all getting to come to be a wrap-up. Um, the more I study, I want to say this, and soon I want to do video, kind of on, on my opinion of the resurrection. All right, what's because truly Hebraically it's called the standing up. But what are they talking about? All right, but in one level, you're going is and this is why again we're in the beginning of the spring feast. Look at these feasts, extract what atonement is going on, and do your proper teshiva, do your tikkun, fix, repair, repent, you know, um, make reparation in your life for anything that you've done. But the reason is, is because when he comes in the end, the, end, the one thing about the last days, or one of the many things, it says it's going to come when it, the culmination, the, the, which is all going to culminate in this quote-unquote standing up or this, this righteous resurrection, this something that's going to change uh, totally, the playing field. These, uh, this is going to happen very quickly. 
Earlier, just quick, like in the blink, in the twinkling of an eye. So they get, that's an Old Testament concept, how quickly the end is going to come. And what's going to happen when the father makes this transition, they said, it, it, everyone is going to be found standing in their own spirituality. In other words, it's like, you know, the gig is up and you are going to be revealed in your own spiritual, your, your physicality will be burned away in, in, in that sense. But it's how much darkness are you going to be light when you're revealed? Will it, will you be full of light or you will be full of darkness? This is, it's, you're going to be standing like all of a sudden, like, let's just say the curtain is ripped open, you know, your, your flesh that covers your insides. So we never know where you are in this process is going to be revealed to you, to the father, to everyone. It's a very sobering concept. I mean, seriously, you can see why people would preach and I want to preach. People don't take life so for granted and think you've got tomorrow to worry about, you know, heavy duty stuff like your soul, you know, today, you know, he's demanding of you, old man, today, save your soul. Tomorrow is not a given to you. So this, um, I just hope that blessed you. Like I want to say, because again, this season of Nissan, of new buds, of resurrection, of new life, the whole promise, what he promises us. And on a on the largest level, this is where the peaceful reunification of all Israel, the two houses, when we get our final Teshiva figured out and done with each other, and we forgive each other, and it says in the verse that Ephraim will no longer be jealous of Judah. Judah will no longer be jealous. The animosity and the jealousy between the brothers and between the two houses will be done. The tikkun, they will have fixed. They have done tikkun and Sheba, and the whole world is going to reap the benefit of this peaceful reunification. So that's what I'm about. That's the father's business right now. So, um, you know, be on your way and let's have a great Shabbat and uh, blessings. And I will see you in the next video. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Tune in next week as Liz brings out more on the mysteries that matter and more food for the soul. Thanks for tuning in.